and welcome to this new podcasting venture. Uh, just a little quick note from me because I forgot to mention this during the actual recording because I'm very forgetful. Um, I forgot to plug our socials which is quite uh, important in this um, digital age. So I did mention that we have got an email address and we do if you'd like to send your thoughts, musings, your own reviews on the albums that we um, that we cover or any thoughts on any future albums and that's 1001-1001-albumspod at gmail dot com we're also on um x or twitter whichever you prefer and we are at 1001 pod on twitter and we are also 1001 a music podcast on facebook so wherever you get your socials you'll be able to find us and just as a little correction for myself i said during the podcast recording without doing proper research that frank sinatra died in 1990 he didn't he died in 1998 so that just shows uh, I should do some more research before I open my big mouth. Anyway, that's enough from me. Enjoy this episode of 1001, a music podcast with me, Nathan Major Kershaw and John Allbones. Please enjoy and let us know what you think. Hello and welcome to 1001, a music podcast, a new music podcast even. Um, documenting the 1001 albums you must listen to before you die. Uh, which seems a bit severe, but <laughs> could be a long night. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we were highly likely to not get through the whole one thousand and one, but we thought it gave us a lot of range. So um, I'm I'm your host Nathan, and I'm joined by John Albans. Good evening or afternoon or wherever it is, wherever you are. Yes, and as I say, this is a new podcast looking at um, basically the basic premise is uh, the book that was released in 2005, 1001 Albums You Must Listen To Before You Die. Uh, we're going to try and listen to as many of them as we can to see if it broadens our musical horizons. Uh, the list we're going to be using, though, was updated in 2021, but the first album is the same on all of the lists, and it's what we'll be covering today. It's In the Wee Small Hours by Frank Sinatra. Yes, from 1955. Yes, yeah, so it's older than both of us, John. Absolutely. Just about, just about, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's nearly 70 years old, so it's uh, 68 years old as of this last April. It was released on the 25th of April, 1955, and it was Frank Sinatra's ninth studio album. That's um, right, on the Capitol label. Yeah, it was his first album for Capitol, of, a, of a seven-year deal that um, Capitol had to be uh, cajoled into signing him to. Wow. He'd just been cut by, um, I'll see if I've got that in my notes. I have not. He'd just, be, he'd just been dropped by his previous label because he was seen as being washed up. Can you believe that? Frank Sinatra washed up. That's right. Well, he was in his, his late 30s, which then, of course, was ancient. Yeah, of course. Um, and, yeah, the, the Bobby Soxers, as they were known, had, had dumped him for yeah. you know other people. And, yeah, he was uh, not sort of washed up as such but yeah he was uh not as proper as once as as he once was which seems incredible now because obviously sinatra is still like an esteemed name yeah know? and to to think he was still active and up until 1990 when he died as well and absolutely he was considered yeah. um to be finished in 1955 yes yeah so he rallied well yeah he rallied rather well <laughs> he got a second wind he did he did it was yes. quite a, a noteworthy year for him, 1955, because he also won an Oscar for Best Supporting Actor that same year for his role in From Here to Eternity. Wow. So that wow. it definitely was a, a 
a, t- a turnaround year for him. Absolutely. Uh, did you find out anything interesting in your research I th- I for think, the album, John? Well, it was more to do with his, his, I suppose, his personal life. Yeah, a very um, turbulent one. Yeah, a very turbulent one. Um, I think reflected in this album as well, which mm-hmm. is, shall we say, downbeat? Melancholy. Next, melancholy, reflective. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think he was not long out of his uh, marriage to Ava Gardner, mm-hmm. um, who I think might, I think it sounds reading between the lines they were as bad as each other. Yeah, they both had uh, issues like keeping their underwear on. Yeah, and um, <laughs> and yeah, and, and I think a lot of I know I understand he, he he did in fact break down into in tears when he when he sang uh, when your lover has gone because mm-hmm. um, he was obviously they reckon he was he was thinking about Ava Gardner at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful song anyway. Um, and he, he, he delivers it amazingly. Um, but yeah, and it's, I was also surprised that um, it was produced by a guy called, called Voile Gilmore, uh-huh. who I'd never heard of in my life before until I, until I looked at this. Um, but he'd worked with Judy Garland and the Andrews sisters and even the Four Seasons and people like that. So he, he must have been handy. Yeah. And um, arrangements by the great Nelson Riddle. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, and so absolutely superb, the arrangements. Yeah. Um, particularly, I particularly enjoyed, there's a song called Mood Indigo. And I, yeah. I, love, I love the this pizzicato strings and playful piano, even though it's quite a, not a doom-laden song, but again, melancholy. Yeah. But there's these little, little bits of, you know, almost hope coming through in the, in the arrangement. There's a nice juxtaposition between the arrangements and Sinatra's delivery of the song. Absolutely, yeah. Because yeah. the... The, the string arrangements especially are sort of more on the hopeful side, whereas Sinatra delivers it. It's almost like a barfly sat at a bar yes, singing yeah. these songs to you about how his lover's left him. Things like that. Absolutely. It is the old classic line him up, Joe, isn't it? He's, he's, yeah. he's, he's the last guy in the bar. There's just him and the barman. They've got his trilby on, his neck necktie undone, you know, his button undone mm. and his necktie loosened, you know, and just reflecting on life and, and uh, lost love and stuff like that. And that... That theme resonates through the album, really. Yeah, and on that note, it's actually considered to be the first concept album yes. released. Yes, because uh, apparently it was an idea of Sinatra's right from the off that he wanted to do an, an album based on themes. Because when this album was released, albums were essentially what albums were were a collection of singles. Yes, up until this point, and this was sort of one of the first albums to use the medium of an album to tell one concept and it really yep. sort of popularized the album as a as a a form of expression artistically yeah and, and it also um popularized the use of 12 inch vinyl this is a, a a little fact that i found out yeah because it was it was released on two 10 inch lps yes i read that and yeah. one one 12 inch and by the end of the 1950s 10 inch vinyls were obsolete and 12 inches were the uh the 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 norm, and that this is sort of a start point for the twelve-inch LP that we know. And so it was quite a groundbreaking yeah. album. I, I believe it was also um, released in as four EPs as well, four yeah. four-song EPs. Yeah, which is probably um, it might it might be an easier way of listening to it yeah. if you if you don't like too much of the same thing. Yeah. I mean, in in um, in isolation, every each song, mm-hmm. I think without doubt, and uh, is is a fabulous song. Yeah. And brilliantly done, brilliantly arranged, um, brilliantly sung. Um, but over the course of an album, mm. maybe it's just to today's ear. Yeah, it could seem you know 
quite not heavy going, but yeah. you know, a bit samey, a bit samey. I found that uh, when I, I, I was listening to it, that most of the songs sort of blend into one another. Yes, and that yeah. it, it was very much sort of not one that was to that was actively listened to, but it sort of went on in the background. Yes, so to the point where the first listen I had, I sort of couldn't pick out any specific songs because they all blended seamlessly into one another. They did, yeah, they did. Yeah, if you walked out the room and came back in, yeah, you could be mistaken and thinking it was the same song, yeah. yeah. Um, it reminds me a lot of like Sunday afternoons as a kid because this is the kind of thing my mum and dad would have had on. Yeah. Because I remember I used to remember my mum going around the house singing I'll Be Around and stuff mm. like that. So it was quite nostalgic as well in that in that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. It seems like an, an ideal first album for the list because it, it feels like the start of... When albums were taken Absolutely. seriously, so Absolutely. this is this is a very good starting point for the list. Yeah, uh, if you're a Sinatra fan, you won't particularly find any of the big hitters on this album. It's very much a, as I say, it's a concept album. There are a few recognisable tunes, I would say. There's a yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah, but. But there's no sort of my ways or that's life or anything like that. That's life was Bobby Darren. What am I talking about? <laughs> I think it's fair to say, though, you know, um, Sinatra is associated quite strongly with that, with yeah. that song. Yeah. Yeah. Because he, that's what he used to do. You know, he made them his own. But, but you, some of, sometimes you'd, you'd look into some of these songs and you can't believe the amount of people who'd done them. Mm. You know what I mean? There's a big list. You know, I think there's one song. Um, I'm going to embarrass myself now by not remembering which one it is. Um, oh, glad to be unhappy, which was also a hit for the mamas and papas in 1967. Oh, right. You know what I mean? It's, um, so, you know, I think they got to yeah, number tw- 26 on the Billboard charts. And it was originally from the musical On Your Toes. Mm. Um, I mean, a lot of these come from Broadway and, yeah. and, and, and various musicals. Well, one of Sinatra's biggest and well-known songs, Matt the Knife, was also from a, from a, a musical. Yes. The Threepney Opera. The Threepney Opera. I believe. Yeah, you could well be right there. You yeah, could well be right. Yeah. One of the the strengths that I find about Sinatra is because you can say as a singer that he's not got the biggest range. No, but it's how he interprets the song that Absolutely. makes that, that is the strength of his talent. I think, and it he, co- comes across especially in this album. You've you sort of feel as if he is a man heartbroken. Oh, you believe every word. Yeah, they, I mean, he's, he's always been praised for his like phrasing. Yeah. And, and stuff like that, and it's it's impeccable. Isn't it? And as, as you said, yeah, not the biggest range, but. Boy, yo, oh boy, you know, it's, you, 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 you want to listen to it, don't yeah. you? He's, he's incredible singer, incredible singer. It's believed to be um, the album inspired by a number of his failed relationships as well, as we said. Yeah. Um, and you say he was he was in just out of his of his marriage to Ava Gardner. I believe so. Yeah. He was also. Um, just married the mistress who he who he uh, left Ava Gardner for, right? And their marriage would also break down two years later. So there's that background of um, great personal upheaval that yes. goes with this album. Absolutely, and it wasn't just a case of you know going back on Bumble or Plenty of Fish in those <laughs> days, was it? No. You know, there's there's, there's lots of like um, you know these phrases about you know. Um, when the birds sing that it's springtime, I won't believe them, and things like this. It's proper yeah. devastation. You yeah, know what I mean, you know, and, and the moon and the stars and everything it doesn't look it doesn't look the same without you, and, and things like this. There's, there's big big imagery and metaphors going on. There's some know. lyrics that wouldn't look out of, out of place in a Robert Smith song, isn't there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The depths of despair. That Absolutely, we find. yeah. 
Uh, this is actually one of two Sinatra albums that is on the the list of a thousand and one. His other one is for Swinging Lovers, which we might get around to eventually. Which is the follow up to this. It is, and yeah. I think he probably needed it, and his fans probably needed him to do that next. Yeah, it was a lot um, more happier. Than yeah, me. I was going to say, yeah, song for swing, Swinging Lovers. Yeah, this was actually his most successful album, though. So, so um, his fans obviously like. Well, his most successful album since nineteen forty seven. At this point, right, right. So it was the start of his career renaissance as we said yeah um are there any particular high points of the album that you can pick out i think yeah as i said i think my my, my favorite well there's, there's various really really good songs on it my favorite one i think it maybe goes back to a nostalgic reason as well because i think i remember it being played around the house when i was a kid was mood indigo mm. uh, which was originally um called dreamy blues mm. um duke ellington um, but then a, a chap called Erving Mills put lyrics to it, and uh, I, I found that I just love the name of it anyway. Mood Indigo is just fabulous as a, as a title, for, but I, it really I just found it strikingly good. As I said, the the, the arrangement by Nelson Riddle is, is fabulous, mm. and um, and it's just just a great song. But th- there's quite a few. Um, the other one I mentioned, um, when your lover is gone, um, which is from originally from a James Cagney film called Blonde Crazy. Um, it's you know life's lost. It's all about life's losing its meaning. When you're alone, when when the magic moonlight dies and all stuff like this, it's there's no sunrise when your lover is gone. You know, oh. it's 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 all it's uh, these big sweeping sentiments. You know, yeah. Um, again, brilliantly delivered. But there's not many that there's not many. You can't say there's any poor songs on here at all. No, there there, there aren't any. I think um, personally, there aren't any that stand out as. As um, as big wow moments of the no. um, one particular song that stands out, but its strength is that it's a consistent listen. It is a very much a consistent even if it listen. even if it is an album that sort of blends into the background, as I said, yeah, and and everything sort of sounds the same. It's it's a, a consistent quality. Yes, absolutely. Still, uh, but one 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 uh, when you mentioned the great the great moments actually in this, it, there's a song called "I Get Along Without You Very Well." Uh-huh. Which is a Hoagie Carmichael song, which you might think, oh well, Hoagie Carmichael, how can you go wrong? Um, but I was quite fascinated by the story behind it. Um, the lyrics were based on a poem called "Except Sometimes," because it is—it's just a bloke kidding himself. I get along without you very well, basically, except all the time. <laughs> you know, it's basically the sentiment to it. Um, but the the lyrics were based on a poem called "Except Sometimes," and uh, which were given to Hoagie Carmichael. Uh-huh. Um, anonymously somewhere I think at the University of Indiana or something in 1939 didn't know who wrote them and he put them to music um, it's slightly based on a Frederick Chopin tune um, so I don't know how Hoagie Carmichael could possibly wear his lyrics and he won't release tune but there you go <laughs> he's down as the songwriter um, but yeah he put out a call for this mysterious JB because we're initial JB the lyrics mm-hmm. and it he didn't find the lady for about 15 years um, she was called what was she called Jane Brown Thompson and the great lyrics wonderful lyrics and uh, he eventually found her and the night before it was premiered on the radio sung by a singer called Dick Powell she died so she oh. never got to hear the song with her lyrics on the radio which I thought oh, was terribly sad um, but it does sort of fit the theme though doesn't it it does fit the theme absolutely I get along without you very well yeah um, wonderful song, really good song. Probably the highlight for me, actually, of the album. Mm-hmm. 
I I do quite like the 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 title track. It's it, it's a it's it's a really good mood setter of an opening. Oh, absolutely, track. absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. In the wee small hours of the morning, because yeah. it is it it is the in the wee small hours, isn't it? When you sort of laid awake, and, you know, where, where I don't know, you seem to your senses are almost high, you you know it's quiet and. You're alone with your thoughts, and that's where you know heartbreak. Yeah, really. Uh, there's nothing to take your mind off it. So it's, it's a man lost in his own thoughts. Absolutely. I was delighted to find out as well. Apparently, the the song was written after midnight one night by the two songwriters. Oh wow! I think one of them was on his way home. He said, "Oh, let's just knock another one out." <laughs> I don't <laughs> think he said it quite did. like that. Um, but yeah, so that, that it was it was written at the right time of day as well. It'd been yeah. awful. It'd been written at nine o'clock in the morning. That'd been terrible. <laughs> In the morning hours of the of the day, it doesn't <laughs> no, have as much. Just after breakfast, that'd yeah. be terrible. There was a, there's a whole host of songwriters featured on, the, all of which are uh, listed in, in the on the album's cover as well, which is really, which I thought was a nice touch. That is nice, yeah, yeah. Because um, obviously Sinatra never wrote his own his own songs; they were all they were all written for him or interpreted from somewhere else. But yeah, it was his strength that made those, those songs his own. Absolutely. I mean, he does have a slight credit on the last one, This Love of Mine, but his age, apparently, I think it was his agent or something like that, said it had nothing to do with it, really. Yeah. I don't know, he got his name added to it. But yeah, he was an interpreter, he wasn't a writer, was he? No, you know? yeah. A regurgitator, someone A say. regurgitator. <laughs> but I mean, some of the names, you know, Hoagie Carmichael, Duke Ellington, Cole Porter, I mean, it's not mm. bad, is it, really? No. Rogers and Hart, you know. When you've got a roster of songwriters like that to call upon, why would you bother writing your own songs? Absolutely, you've got the Nelson Riddle Orchestra behind you. And, you would you know. fi- you'd find yourself so inadequate, wouldn't you? If you, Absolutely. If you tried to write anything when, when you're given these songs, leave it to the gaffers. Because in those days as well, it was you know there were there yeah. were proper artists where they, yeah there were a host of songwriters. And as a, as you go through the list, because I'm currently reading the book that this list is derived from, yeah, and you. It's sort of like all of the rings in a tree of music because you sort of go through and it starts with your Sinatras and things like that. Yeah. And the further you go in, the more um, the more focus is put on singer songwriters and people who write yes. their own music. Yeah. And it's p- people who come from the the Brill Building in New York who suddenly take over in the late sixties, like Joni Mitchell and people like that. Yeah, yeah. And more focus is and it it. It's like, a, as I say, it's like the rings in a tree. It's watching music grow and evolve, and hopefully we'll get to cover a lot, a lot of it. Absolutely, Cause, yeah. Because, as I say, it, it's a lovely start point because it, it makes you look back on, and it does have a lovely nostalgic feel. This album, it, it does. I mean, it, there's a reason I actually went out and bought it on vinyl in a, in the form it was originally listened to. No, mm. it was a re-release. It wasn't an, an original copy because. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the four parts. I went on eBay and I couldn't, for the life of me, figure out why there was loads of different in the wee small hours with part one and part two on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I had to do a lot of digging before I could get the full <laughs> album. But it does add, add an extra dimension. I, I'm a big vinyl collector in the first place. I want boxes full of them. Um, but I think it, it does help sometimes to listen to an album in the format it was originally listened to. Absolutely. Because those... Crackles, especially in an album as old as this, do add a lot. Absolutely, of atmosphere takes you back to nineteen fifty-five. <laughs> well, I would have no idea what. No, me, me neither. Like. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> Thank goodness. So, um, do you think this is an album you will 
go back to now that you've now that you've listened to it for this? Do you think it's one that you'll listen to again, or do you think there's only specific songs that you'll that you'll listen to? Afterwards? Um, I'd, I'd certainly because I'm like yourself, I'm a big lover of vinyl, mm-hmm. and, I, and I go to a lot of record fairs, and if I found mm-hmm. like a nicely priced copy, yeah. if you know what I mean. I probably won't go out of my way, mm. but if I found a nicely priced copy and good, you know, I'd, I'd probably, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll have a go at that. Because, it, as you say, it's there's more to it than just another album. You know, it's it's um, it's it's proper, you know, noteworthy album, as you say, first concept album, first, you know, the first thing that popularised 12-inch. And it's great songs, mm-hmm. as I say. It, it, I'm not saying, it's certainly not a hard listen all in one go. No. But it's, as I say, it's... Uh, I think it's Paul Gambaccini who said music's too important to be background music, but I can imagine, yeah. you, you know, you either have it on and listen to it or you don't have it on. Yeah. Um, but which is, I kind of get what he means, but you know, at least this is a real world, <laughs> you know. But you know, it'd be lovely to put on as I say a Sunday afternoon or something like just when you just want some nice laid back, chilled out music on yeah. while you're reading a book or something like that. I can't remember who said it, but I remember reading once that a, a good album is a reflection of where that artist is at one point in their life. Yes, and that that definitely feels like it, apply, it, it applies to this album massively. I, I at think the point that Sinatra was at in his life. From what I've read, yeah, that that definitely seems the case. Yeah, yeah. So it's very much a case of art uh, mirroring his life. Yeah. Even if he didn't write the songs or have anything to do with the songs, the, the songs which, that were chosen for this album, for this project, were perfect to where he Absolutely. was at that point. It's, it's wonderful when you get a great vocalist mm-hmm. such as Sinatra working with fabulous musicians, fabulous arranger, with fabulous songwriters, mm-hmm. you know, and just the class seeps through and it? Mm. it really does seep through in, in this. coming along at the right time as well because I, I think a couple of years later this album would have seen Passé and would, would have been would have probably not have been as well as well remembered because a, I think we're, we're only a couple of years off rock and roll breaking that's very in, true in, in the yeah. USA timing is everything yeah, yeah and yeah. this was sort of this would have been sort of his last grasp at making a a comeback, really, because had yeah. he waited a couple of years and Elvis had come along, yeah, he would have seemed so old hat next to Elvis. He would have done. Time. He would have done. Yeah, and it's yeah, he'd have just got buried, <laughs> as you say, in the, in the rock and roll, the Buddy Hollies and the, the Elvis and all the rest of it. But because of uh, things like nostalgia and him already having a, a fan base, meant that he he had this album and he had a career that went on, as I say, into nineteen ninety. And absolutely, he, he yeah. was releasing albums up until nineteen ninety. He was, yeah. Um, he had a wig, wig on, but he was still at it. Yeah, <laughs> and he was, he was, he was very weak as well at the end of his life. I understand, but um, I remember listening to one of the duets album that he did right at the tail end of his life. Yes, yeah. it's, it, it's, it still has a sort of powerful resonance, even if his voice isn't quite, yeah, quite as strong anymore. It's still, he's still got a very, he's still got that instinct to make a song powerful. I think it's something you never lose. Absolutely, yeah. Just, just the sound of his voice—it's authoritative, isn't it? Yeah, you, know, you, you want to listen to what he's saying. It's not just authoritative, but it's reflective of an era. Because uh, every time I hear his voice, I can see him in my head. I can see him in in the suit and the trilby and with a with a cigarette and a glass of whiskey. Absolutely, they, yeah. he conjures up the image perfectly. He does of, of yeah. who he was and what he was like. As you say, it's very much the, the thing I really did notice as well. How much it is of its time. How much things have changed. Because yeah. yeah, it's all like there's loads of lyrics about cigarettes, or seems to be. Yeah, you know what I mean. Where's that amazing lyric that I wrote down earlier? 
Um, there was something about a cigarette smoke climbing. That d- deep in a dream, me. the smoke makes a staircase for you to descend. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. You know what I mean? Um, extraordinary, really. Extraordinary. But I'm glad he, he sang, as you say, he sang right till the end, like, like Tony Bennett more yeah. recently did. Yeah. But who, we, who we did regard as the greatest singer in the world, didn't we? Yeah. Um, funny enough, there's a song on here, um, which is a beautiful song, and it, it's kind of a reminder how short life is. He probably won't think in that way because he was only in his late thirties. But but Tony Bennett used to sing it in his in his last concerts when he was ninety five, mm-hmm. and he never really lost the power in his voice, did he? No. Um, called "Last Night When We Were Young," mm. which um, I mean, it's a great title, isn't it? But it's all about nostalgia and young love, and I say it's a reflection about how short life is. And um, I would imagine when Bennett sang it in his last concerts, it was amazingly yeah. emotional. Um, but I thought I thought Frank did an amazing Frank, Frank. big big mate. <laughs> yeah. um, Your old mate Frank. Yeah, yeah, did an amazing job with it as well. I, th- I just think again, magical material, really yeah. good material, magical material at exactly the right time. Just just coming along at a time when it's going to be uh, going to have the biggest impact. Because yes. as I say, had it come out six months to a year later, it would have seemed old hat. Yes, because. Um, when you look at the list, this is number one, and number two is Elvis's first album. So yeah. it was it was literally that close. Just to did being, it by the skin of his teeth. Yeah, I mean, as time's gone on, as you say, that was the birth of rock and roller. I think this album would have still been discovered. Oh, yeah, because the classic's yeah. permanent, as they say, isn't it? Yeah, and I, and I think, um, I mean, it, so a lot of these singers of this style lost their way yeah. because of whether it be rock and roll or. You know, as you say, singer songwriters, the Beatles, mm. right through to punk, whatever, yeah. you know, sort of disappeared. But they came back because class, as I say, always comes back. Well, they back. always had a place, didn't they? Because the, yeah. there was always a place for a crooner at Vegas. Vegas. For, for instance, Sam's Hotel. Ve- so you know. Sinatra did Vegas for years, didn't Absolutely, they? Absolutely, yeah. And so. That sort of career, doing that music, always has a fluctuating career, but Absolutely. there's always something there for them to do. Absolutely. Singing in casinos Cause, mainly. Because they were proper proper entertainers, him and yeah. Sammy Davis and Dean Martin. But yeah. Proper guys, you know. Um, amazing. I mean, Sammy Davis Jr., nothing he couldn't do. You know? <laughs> um, so, yeah, yeah, I mean, as I say, class acts, absolutely class acts. They'll come in and out of Vogue. But yeah, people always want to pay money to see people like that. That's that's the difference I think between uh, a lot of musical acts of yesteryear and musical acts of today. Yes, is their their staying power and their power to become to reinvent themselves as, Absolutely. as well becomes something. Because even if you look at today's charts, as we're recording this in November of 2023, yeah. the number one single is The Beatles, and the number one album is The Rolling Stones. Very good point. Yeah. <laughs> How far we've come! Both bands who are over sixty, who yeah. have been around for over sixty years, absolutely. Um, yeah. One of which, the Beatles, has haven't been together since nineteen seventy. Yes, so. yes. You make a valid point. Yeah. Um, I mean, I wouldn't like to say for certain, but I wouldn't imagine your Justin Bieber's will still be packing out stadiums in. 40 I wouldn't years. think so. I think there's an element of one trick pony about a lot of the modern. Yeah. Because um, oh. they, these people could seem to do anything, as you say. Oscars for supporting acting and yeah you know they could you know some of them could dance and sing and play the drums or you know play 
and they, they, were, they were all around entertainers. Although, ha- having said that, I'm sure that similar things were said about these in their time. Oh no, no doubt. No I'm doubt. sure that there were there were people saying the same thing about Frank Sinatra, who used to listen to the Glenn Miller Orchestra or something like yes, that. Yes, yeah. Who, who were saying that they would have the staying power that Sinatra did. Yes. And to be fair, Glenn, people like Glenn Miller still do get listened to. So absolutely. So all, all, all music has the the ability to have staying power. It's just yeah. the 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 place in which you're regarded, isn't it? I mean, yeah, absolutely. Sinatra's, you try and find me a, a singer who works in clubs in the entire world that hasn't sang my way at some point. Exactly. Of which I am guilty of because I've <laughs> sang my way many times in pubs and clubs. It's. I think I think it's time for a rendition now. <laughs> Come on, there. No, no. Go on. <laughs> you know you want to. Maybe not. <laughs> All right, do one off this album then. Yeah. <laughs> uh. I usually get paid to sing. So. Oh, well, yeah, I can't fault you there, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, not in a while, but you know. Uh, so, yeah, as we say, this, uh, this, this album also placed on the Rolling Stone 500 Greatest Albums of All Time as well. It's on the latest update placed at number 282. Wow. So middle of the pack in, yeah, yeah. in, in terms of that. And I'm, I'm sure we will come across many more in this list because they're very sort of interchangeable. Mm. Even though that list is half of the length of this list, there are many albums of which, uh, which appear on both lists. Speaking of which, um, I drew our next album before the the recording started how this is going to work because i thought um going through in number order would be would get very samey after a yes, while yes yeah We'd, i like the randomness yeah idea. If, we, if we discussed sort of 20 albums from the 50s before we got into the 60s yeah. and stuff that especially if it's something from the 50s that we know nothing about like one of yeah. them is by louis prima and you know oh wow well, yeah, yeah 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 uh, so the the number that was drawn was number 696 <laughs> yeah quite late on um and I looked at the wrong list to start with because the the first album I drew out was a Public Enemy album, which is a '90s political gangster rap, which we wouldn't be qualified to listen to. But no. we, we we're, we're more straight out of Bempton. <laughs> we've had a stay of execution, as it were, because it turned out I was looking at the wrong list. Because um, <laughs> I mean, we'd have had a go. Yeah, we? we'd have I'm, had a go. I'm, I'm sure we'd have had a go. Uh, the list I was looking at was the original 2005 one, and it, the yeah. list has since been updated, most recently in 2021. <laughs> and um, the, the so the album we will be covering next is an album called Saint Etienne, called Fox Bass Alpha, which I've never heard of. So this will be a, a completely new experience for me, but something that John has heard. Ah, uh, yes, so. yeah, I, I do, I do, I do like Saint Etienne. I've I've never even heard of them, so this will be very interesting. Oh, well, the, yeah, you'll enjoy it. I promise you, yeah. you will enjoy it. So, um, final thoughts on in the wee small hours then. Final thoughts. I've thoroughly enjoyed um, getting to listen to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, for all that I've said, it is same. It is samey. It is mm. quite a samey album. But as you say, it, it made total sense as to the concept at the time. And um, I, I, it's, it's as you say, it's, it's the great songs. You can't fault the songs. Brilliantly performed by a brilliant vocalist and a brilliant band and a brilliant arranger. And um, it should should be enjoyed as such. And I just have, I have um, <laughs> something that I'd noticed when I was researching as well that just slightly dovetails with another podcast to do about sitcoms. Is mm-hmm. Nelson Riddle, the mm-hmm. amazing arranger, his son is called Skip. Skip, Skip Riddle. Riddle. Yeah, I kid you not. And he is married to um, 70s sitcom legend Paula Wilcox, who used to be a man about the house. 
and the smoking room and various other um, sitcoms from the 70s and 80s, which I found quite amazing. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. It's like so, uh, yeah. Six Degrees of Separation, isn't it? Yeah. Kevin Bacon and what have you. Yes. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm sorry to hijack your podcast here, Nick, but I just, I just had to say it out loud. Yeah. Well, there's a, it's, it's always nice, especially in a sitcom when there's a crossover. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. You can edit it out, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, um, to be... F- to be honest, this album felt sort of nostalgic for me because I'm, I've always liked a bit of Sinatra. Yes. Um, ever since sort of my it was the sort of thing that my grandma used to listen to, so it brings back nice memories of, of being being with her. And as I say, I've sang a lot of big band swing stuff when I used to be a singer in the clubs. I've actually sang with a big band once. Oh, but that was quite that, some. That was quite the experience. They still sound amazing. Yeah, they, they, they live, do. Yeah. There's. There's nothing quite like it for for that, and um, it just sort of takes you back to a time which I had. I don't know how it takes me back because I've got no reference for it because I, yeah. I was only born in '95. So this album, all right, sure. This album predates me by four forty years, <laughs> but um, but yeah, it's it was it was a wonderful wonderful listen that. Um, as you say, is a, a, maybe a little bit samey to some ears. It does sort of blend together quite it, a lot. It, it does blend together, yeah. But when the quality of the songwriting is so consistent, then that bl- that blending together can't be a bad thing, I suppose. It is. It's, it's terrific songwriting. You can tell by the, the other people who've sung these songs. You know, it's, it's just there's no point in me listing them. But you know, it's, it's just um, everybody of everybody's somewhat sung these songs at some point. You know, and they're still being sung now. So um, absolutely incredible. So, uh, did you enjoy our first foray into this uh, little venture that we've thoroughly enjoyed into? it? Have you, have you, Nathan? It's your oh, baby. It, have yeah. you enjoyed it? Yeah, it's uh, this is actually something that I've been planning for a while. Uh, so I'm glad to finally get it off the ground and get it rolling. It's been a pleasure to join you. Pleasure yeah, to join and you. I shall look forward to you joining me next time for some Saint Etienne. You mean I'm not fired? No, <laughs> that's good news. You can stay. <laughs> God bless you. I'll let you. <laughs> but anyway, uh, that's all for, for this episode. Thank you very much for listening. If you do have any thoughts, uh, I've set up an, an, an email an email Ooh. account for you to send your thoughts to. It's 1001albumspod at gmail.com. So send me some thoughts, some memories of Frank Sinatra, or this album in particular. And uh, until then, we'll see you next time for some St. Etienne as I broaden my horizons a little Absolutely. bit. Absolutely. So that's goodbye from me, Nathan. And goodbye from me, John. And we'll see you next time on the 1001 Music Pod. <laughs>